Welcome to the 155th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Four Gate Studios. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And I believe this is day 20 without sports, Mason? Yeah, something like that. But we, we got some Terrapin news for you today on the podcast. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals. Your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource, Allied, has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Turp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV after the coronavirus, you can contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, Allied's going to have their hands full after the coronavirus, as we keep saying. Yeah, I really hope that's true. Uh, let's get the Terrapin rundown. First on the list, former Terp and New York Guardian, Savon Walker has signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. This will be his third team um, since entering the realm of pro football, or third NFL team, excuse me. But Savon really made a strong impression in the XFL. And Jordan, I believe his name is pronounced Kayvon. I think he changed that going into a senior at Maryland. I don't know. I actually saw a YouTube video about him being kind of one of the headliners uh, that's moving on to the NFL, the sack leader of the XFL uh, when that league came to its abrupt end this season. And the guy that's just known as a hard worker like he was at Maryland. Uh, went through a position change at Maryland. Uh, a guy that just constantly put in work and, and had a lot of buy-in to, um, especially at the end of his career, into that DJ Durkin program uh, that was being run at Maryland. Uh, but a guy that's I think will do well in Pittsburgh, and I hope uh, that he does. But if you're a Ravens fan, I guess you got to kind of hope that he doesn't do too great. Well, he's an interior pass rusher, and those are, of course, of great value in today's NFL. Um, the Mitchell twins, Makai and Mikel, have found a new landing spot now at the University of Rhode Island in the A-10. Uh, not much to say here. I just wish the Mitchell twins well going forward and uh, hope they find whatever they're looking for. Yeah, and no, I, uh, I can't see this one working out t- too well either. Uh, I, I think their play style is not too great for A-10 basketball, just in general. Uh, that league known for a lot of quick guards that score. Makai and Mikel really, they're really slow basketball players when you look at it. They're not they're not new age big men. They're they're more the kind of towering players. But you know you just kind of hope that academically and and they get along with everyone in the coaching staff, which is something that they weren't uh, really able to succeed that well in at Maryland. Um, also in basketball news. Uh, walk-on Reese Mona was named to the NSCA Strength and Conditioning All-American team. I'm going to be real. I don't know what this means, but people seem really excited about it. I think it just gives Reese uh, a strong push that, that he's a hard-working guy, as everyone knows, and that, that that in the gym he's an All-American, you know, as far as making gains and, and following with Kyle Tarp and the um, very, very highly – uh, claimed Maryland men's basketball strength and conditioning staff can can do. Well, either way, good for Risa. Um, on to some lacrosse news. Uh, women's lacrosse freshman defender Emma Skedding was named to a to sorry named to the second team All American list for inside lacrosse. Seniors Megan Dowdy and Brindy Griffin were named honorable mention. Um, I guess some good accolades considering the season was like four games long. It's still kind of cool for the Terps to get some recognition. Yeah, obviously, the season goes on. This list is longer as far as Maryland players are concerned. Really tough season for the Terps uh, this year. They they seem to have things turned around. Of course, all the injuries, I believe it was 10-plus players, 10-plus uh, starters at one point that were injured for this team. Uh, of course, they had 
were handed some of their worst loss in program history this past season, but uh, they were picking things up when uh, the season came to a halt. On the Ben side, uh, inside lacrosse, kind of giving the Terps a short end of the stick here, honoring five of the Terps. Logan Wisnaska is named a third-team All-American, questionable at best. Jared Bernhardt given only honorable mention uh, recognition. I don't really like that one. Anthony DeMeo, Roman Puglisi, and Brett Makar were all named um, honorable mention players, which is fine. Okay, those three, Puglisi, uh, Brett Makar, and DeMeo, they can... They can be honorable mention. That that I'm okay with. Bernhardt, uh, you're talking about a guy that could have been in the tour time conversation, could have been became Maryland's all-time points leader um, if this season was able to play out. And then Wisnowskis, who's getting to the point where he's going to be chasing Matt Rambo and Jared Bernhardt. Uh, those two, of course, up atop the Terps all-time points list. And that brings us to uh, one of our bigger topics today, which is the implication that spring athletes will be returning to colleges. And this isn't really Maryland focus. This is about wider college landscaping because we both have some opinions on this. Um, the NCAA announced this week that they will give all seniors who are play in spring an extra year of eligibility, which is good in theory. But once you start getting into the weeds of it and the fact that NCAA hasn't really said any actual rules yet, it gets messy real fast. Yeah, I think this is absolute garbage. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say that one straight out. You're talking about, with the coronavirus situation, a once-in-a-lifetime, possibly once-in... Jordan and I were just discussing this. It's about a once-in-every-two-lifetimes situation. You go back to 1918 with that situation, uh, and now you're in 2020. So what is that, 100 years? Give or take a few. Um, times like these call for measures that not everything's going to work out perfectly. You know, giving these kids an extra year of eligibility... It is, in my opinion, it's a cop-out. They don't want to deal with, like, a lot of these things. They don't want to deal with the backlash of the issue. They don't want to deal with ESPN's senior night. You know, they don't want to They don't want to watch these athletes get these send-offs that they don't deserve just because they don't want to look bad. You know, when it comes down to doing what's right, seniors have had three years of this. And sure, they should have four, their fifth year, or their sixth year, or whatever year they were on. But let's look at the facts. You have freshmen coming in next year that now not only was their last year of high school athletics robbed from them, they're not going to be robbed of their freshman year of college. There's no chance that a freshman coming in, unless they're their top five player, top ten player in the country, is going to find a way onto the field. You're talking about you're going to have two sets of seniors on a team. What about that junior that was going to be the captain that was told and being trained to be the captain of this team that now a returning senior is just going to come back and take that role from them? How is that fair to them? You're affecting college athletics in the long run for God knows who how, how long by this boneheaded decision to solve this one issue. And sure, every senior this year had a right to play this season as much as next year's seniors do. But sometimes it doesn't work out like that. Now, another thing that you have to look at is a lot of these players are just done. You know, as I've talked about before, they had their senior days of practice. They they need to move on with their lives. They need to go out and get a job, especially these players that don't have much look at pro athletics. But come on. It's over. You're done with school. You're graduating. Hopefully, if you can pass these online classes, which is another challenge. And it's time to move on with life. And... I'll play devil's advocate here because I agree with all the points Mason makes. And, yeah, it really does suck if you're a senior because a lot of them, especially if you are like Jared Bernhardt 
or numerous other seniors across the country and you felt like your team had a real shot this year to even win a conference, then you're like, well, I'm going to come back. I'm going to try to win next year. And also something else to consider and uh, bring a lot of real world into this is the job market for college graduates is going to be rough after this is over. I think everybody is aware of that. So the prudent decision for them, if they're in scholarship, is to stay in school for another year and let the economy kind of recover for a minute and maybe get a master's degree or something. Like, there, there are reasons for you to stay in school, just from a purely real-life perspective here. Then but, they can stay in school. This isn't about school. But it's about everything. That's what I'm about to get to. Because here's the part that no one's really talking about right now. As it stands, colleges are going to have to, on average, according to a Sun, the Sunbelt Commissioner, colleges on average are going to have to pull up about $600,000 in extra money to pay for spring athletics with financial aid and travel and equipment and all that stuff. Here's the problem. Where are they going to get that money? The NCAA March Madness is a huge moneymaker for a lot of schools, especially the smaller ones that are in D1. They are, that check is gone. They're definitely not getting more money from their states, who are going to all be cash-strapped for probably years after this ends. Like, where's the money for this extra stuff going to come from? That's another real problem. And I, from a purely just looking at perspective of, yeah, I think it's the right thing to do, yeah, if you can pull out this out logistically and financially, then sure, give them another year. No. But... That's the difference between what we think. If everything was all... That's what I'm saying. I'm but aware. what about the freshmen? I know that. I'm saying if you could find a way to make all this all work in a magic wand, then sure. But yeah, there's too many logistical problems to come with this. And the NCAA, this is the real problem. They have given no plan on this. According to all... I was reading a USA article, Today article today. Um, and I might link in the description for this episode because it's really, really good. And about the logistical problems this case. And the problem, the biggest one is NCAA just said this is happening and they've given no directive on how they're going to pull this off. Because it's going to be on them. They need to figure out the eligibility concerns. you got to figure out how to get schools the money. Because a lot of schools are going to say, we don't got the money, you're going to have to tell these kids to walk. That's what I was thinking is coming. They're putting it on the schools. The schools can't afford this. The schools are going to say you can't come back. Unfortunately, that's what they're going to have to do. Because, like I said, $600,000, I mean, for most schools, again, I always do this when I, we talk about big picture athletics because I think it's frustrating as hell. Power 5 is a micro group of all the schools that are going to have to deal with this. An absolute, like, nothing group. It's 60 out of 1,000 plus NCAA schools that are going to have to deal with this. Where are all these... Some of these schools don't even have a million dollars to put down. Where are they going to get the money to put put up an extra 20, 30 seniors on some of these sports? What about the like, 15 baseball kids? Like, they're going to find the money for all this. Is, are rosters going to be expanded? Are scholarships going to be expanded? There's so many problems that come with this when you really look at it that need to be resolved at the NCAA level. This is an NCAA problem. They created this problem. They probably should have just said, let them go. But now they have to do this. This is with NCAA, which is horrible at solving problems. It's really going to have to solve a problem. In my opinion, they've just... They've managed themselves into a bigger issue than they could have had. Yes. Honestly, Because they had... Just like a lot of these other things. They also had the perfect scapegoat. Blame it on the coronavirus and move on. Just say there is no solution to this, just like there's no solution to almost everything that's being canceled right now. They did this with NCAA tournament. They just said there's no way we can do this. We don't know when we're going to be back. That's a legit point. That, and that's just the same sort of thing. There's just but why not this? What what gain is there? The gain is the satisfaction. It's a PR move. I already said that. The gain is 
the satisfaction of a minuscule amount of athletes. And the risk is messing up how long it takes and how long these kids are going to be playing college sports for the next, I don't even know how many years. I mean, can you imagine the transfer numbers after this season? This next one? How many mad freshmen they're going to be? They're just like, I've had it. I'm going to go to a school that just started the sport or has a program that didn't really retain that many seniors. I mean, you're just setting up for a mess for the next 20 years. Might be exaggerating a little bit, but that's that's a legit point. And I think we said all that needs to say. I'm sure there's people out there that agree with, disagree with us, but I think we if you get if you can tell me for real how you get around all the problems we've listed, then I, I'll give you an award because I don't think there's a way. I really don't. But even if you think, just like you think that they have to give somebody else another year, n- none of this stuff is guaranteed. The guarantee, if anything, from college athletics is that if you sign your letter of intent, and I'm pretty sure the Big Ten is the only conference on the planet that does this, they guarantee you that you have a free education, whether you're playing the sport or not. The yeah, Big Ten is the only conference in that policy, I believe, but I see your point. The sport is not guaranteed. What about the kids that have had their sports cut? I mean, th- this has happened before. Seasons have been canceled before. But this is on a extreme level, and there is really no way to fix this, and the NCAA is just stupid for it. And I believe we beat that horse to death. Seriously, if you can come up with something, let us know, but I don't think there's a way to realistically do this. Not the NCAA, no, not even us. Yeah. Um, so, on a later note, Maryland dropped a video on their social media channels last night, or maybe yesterday, but sometime yesterday, um called We Need Sports, narrated by Johnny Holiday, about almost just how weird this is and how we're all going to try to pull through this together, but this is a really weird time. And I thought it was pretty good. I actually almost cried, teared up when I was watching it. It's really well done, in my opinion. I don't know how necessary it is, but it's really nice to see. Yeah, I thought it was a really good video. It it didn't really have a point, though. I think if this this time proves anything... At least to myself, it is that we don't really need sports. I love sports. I want to watch sports. I wish they were playing them right now. But life has gone on. My life has not stopped, even though sports is a probably more, bigger part of my life than I would almost say 99% of the populations. Probably almost more than everybody that's not playing a college or pro sport right now. I spend more time on sports. I do games on TV. I mean... We do this podcast. For now, we don't absolutely need them, though. Well, I think that's true, and it's not, because we haven't really been deprived of sports for real. Because for the most part, there's still news going on. And as our podcast today is probably going to be pretty long, because there's a lot of stuff going on, actually. Sports isn't gone. It's just the playing of it is gone. But that's true for a lot of season for a lot of sports. Yeah, and I think that that's, that might be more of what I'm saying. Well, but at this time... I mean, sports is uniting. I think that's its biggest actual quality. Yes, I'd agree with that. And over time, you're going to see the effects of if they're not playing a football season or stuff, there are actually going to be uh, ramifications as far as, 
you know, that's that's something that if you're a freshman going into college, which you may or may not be, there you could still go to campus, and they could have football season canceled. Yeah, that'd be weird. It would be very strange for a lot of us. And then those people are missing. They're actually missing out on something. The incoming freshmen, the people that are still in school, people like Jordan that are going back for their last semester in the in the fall. You know, they're actually missing out on something. But right now, I think the focus and the cancellations and all this stuff is done in the right way. I think that Maryland is more promoting that they're still here and they're going to be ha- here after this. Yeah, and that's probably the real purpose of the video. And it's that's what I think a lot of people feel like. And I think a lot of the reason that a lot of people aren't feeling the sting of missing sports as much, though, missing March Madness still really, really sucks. I am I mean, it's almost like a, it's a very, if it started and stopped, it would have been worse than what happened. Yeah, probably. But I think really what we're saying is, what I'm trying to say is there's so much else going on right now that it's almost, if there was actually sports going on, like NFL free agency almost felt secondary to me because there's just so much else going on. Like Tom Brady going to the Bucks would have been like a life-changing event for me if there wasn't actually a life-changing event going on. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but I think what you're trying to say kind of plays into what I'm saying, though. Maybe. And There is... I feel like that even the talk... It's like it almost never happened, is I think we were saying. There was no introductory press conference. It was done over the phone. For Brady. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe is what I'm saying. Is that It feels like it almost didn't happen because nothing else is happening. There's no... Even the draft coverage is... No, no, nothing th- is... Things are happening. They just aren't as public as they usually are. Well, I mean, there's no Brady holding up the jersey at the, press, at the podium type thing? Yeah, they don't have... It's like you watch the same thing, and they played Brady's press conference. I watched it when they played it live. But it's so different from seeing a guy talking on the phone to reporters, whether they're talking about the Bucks or not. It doesn't matter what team it is. The visuals are gone. You know, him holding up the jersey, which ESPN would have played about a million times over by now. Just that one clip. And then almost burns it into your brain as somebody that follows us that much. So he's playing for the Bucks now, not New England. Yeah. Instead, it almost seems like they're playing fantasy sports. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. All right, on to the actual Maryland news. Um, so, big shock a couple days ago. Ricky Lindo, the for- forward from D.C., is in the portal. Well, I don't really know what to do with this one. I think that it has a lot to do with Jarius Hamilton being added onto the team, which we're going to talk about next. And, Jordan, maybe you can kind of throw in on this one, maybe to clarify what I'm going to say, because I'm not exactly sure how this is going to sound. I feel like Maryland really stuck it to Ricky Lindo here. That Ricky Lindo's a guy that's had the opportunity to stay in prep school. Maryland gave him the opportunity to come to the university. Uh, Lindo accepted that, was kind of thrust into a role as a freshman that he didn't necessarily belong in. I think we can all agree on that, even though he looked great in practice. Uh, this last year, Jalen Smith being the dominating player that he was, Ricky Lindo not necessarily being the size of a center, and not really having the shooting of a small forward, was given, in my opinion, a lack of opportunity, especially because he made some threes. Uh, you look at the game against Michigan State, he made one. You know, he, he showed the ability that he could score. I don't exactly know that Mark Turgeon and and the staff knew exactly what to do with him this year. But when it comes down to it, I would have loved to see Maryland stick with Ricky Lindo. You know, I would have – I really would like to see this team, when given the opportunity to keep guys that are going to be here for four years and have shown that they're hard workers and 
and everything that's been positive about Ricky Lindo, I don't necessarily understand bringing in Jarius Hamilton, a guy that's only given Boston College nine points a game. I think Ricky Lindo could do the same. I don't necessarily know what's going on here, but yet again, this is college sports. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, and I don't really know what Maryland's opinions were towards this. I don't really know what Ricky Lindo's were, but you know, Maryland brought in Jarius Hamilton the day after Ricky Lindo said he was leaving. And I think that, that that shows it all. I think Turgeon sat him down and said, look, we're going to bring this guy in. He plays about the same position as you. You know, you're going to compete against him. But, you know, you're going to compete against him pretty much. And Ricky Lindo probably looked at that and said, man, I really would have loved to stay here. This was my dream, but I, I want to play basketball. I think I deserve the opportunity to start, and I'm going to go somewhere where that opportunity is more present than the University of Maryland. And, and unfortunately, so long goes Ricky Lindo. I think it's pretty fair. I think it's a fair assessment. Uh, and, of course, again, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But I think that makes a lot of sense with given what we do know. Look, Ricky Lindo, I agree, seemed like a hard worker. I think I really think he got the shaft this year. So do I. I would agree with that one. I think that he showed more promise. And now people, a lot of fans out there say, well, man, he, he when he was on the floor, he didn't play well. Basketball is a rhythm game. Like, you need to get in there. You need to under- get in the flow of the game. You need to be able to make – like, you got to get in there to show your potential. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think uh, one of Mark Turner's biggest faults, one thing that drives me up the wall personally the most, and something I don't say often, is I don't feel like he ever gives players a chance on the bench. I feel like he rides his starters really hard, and there's players on the bench that I feel have potential to make contributions that don't get the chance to play. And that doesn't always work out. We saw that with Akeem Hart late in the season. Like, we gave him some run for real. We tried him out, and he didn't make the most of his opportunities. But that's fine. At least he knows he got the opportunity. With Alindo, I feel like it was, you know, the conversation goes like, Ricky, we need you for defense, and we need you for rebounding. But by no means are you supposed to shoot the basketball. And at that point, as a player at this level, with the abilities of Ricky Lindo, which I think are massively understated, I wouldn't be surprised this guy ends up in the NBA. Uh, that's maybe I don't know about that. But well, well, but I, y- you're not in that like you weren't there when he was playing in practice his freshman year, and everyone was like, "Who is this guy?" I've seen Ricky Lindo play in practice, and I've seen him play like an NBA player. He gets moves up and down the court. He's an extremely athletic basketball player. He's a smart guy just in general. I think that Ricky Lindo, given the right opportunity and the right situation, could be at that level. Well, I, I will have to say that I, I don't know what you've seen, so I'll go take your word for it. And, look, it's possible he doesn't leave. That's still on the table. Yes, he's in the portal. doesn't mean he's gone yet. I think he's gone. I agree that he probably is, but it's not a guarantee. But uh, what I'm going uh, the last thing that I'll say is, he was given the curse of Mark Turgeon. And we saw one other player that's playing in the NBA and playing fairly well right now. Jake Lehman was given that same exact position where all they do is stand in the corner and, like, once every 10 plays, they catch the ball and they jack a three up and it goes in. Now, Jake Lehman played, like, 40 minutes a game or 30 or whatever you want to say. And Ricky Lindo played five. But it was that same thing where you got this 6'8 guy that's fairly athletic that can dunk the basketball and he rebounds. And Mark Turgeon just doesn't have a place for that player. And... And well, let's talk about Jerry's Hamilton because I think the same thing's going to well, happen there. Uh, just on that note, though, I think, yes, I, I, it frustrates me to no end that I think those are your most valuable players. Really, I do. Guys who can shoot 
and it's 6'8", 6'9", and can move well. Those guys are extremely valuable, and Mark Turgeon has never seemed like he knows what to do with them. Even Dante Scott, who may be the pinnacle of that. Dante Scott is 6'7", extremely athletic, played great defense this season, and is a decent scorer. He he shot like 35% from three. And he scored like seven points a game. Like, I don't know how you can't utilize those players better. It frustrates me, but... You see, that's one... That's like the one guy that I will disagree with you on use. I think Dante Scott got a fair amount of shots. I think that he was in the offense. He was put in a lot of positions. Now, Dante Scott managed himself out of some games with fouls and not being able to rebound necessarily well enough. But what I will say, to your point, I'm not saying you're completely wrong. I'm just saying on the case of Dante Scott, I think he played enough minutes. With Jake Lehman, Ricky Lindo, I would even throw a guy like Evan Smotrich in there. They're not quite power forwards. They're not quite small forwards. They're tweeners. He has no idea what to do with them. None. Zero. But it, uh, what I'm saying, and we're getting off track here because we we got a lot more stuff to get to here. Um, but what I'm saying is in modern basketball and the way basketball is being played now, whether you agree with it or not, tweeners are valuable now. They have roles. You can if you if you're creative enough as a coach, you can find ways to get your best players on the floor and get them plays. I feel like Ricky Lindo didn't always get that. I'm gonna be really sad to see him go. And we'll talk about it more when he announces where he ends up next. But it's not all bad, because Jairus Hamilton is not a bad yet, really. No, but a, a guy that, and, and there is a lot of talk about a waiver for him, he will have to sit out a year with the current standing. Um, and, and it's just an example of Mark Turgeon and his staff doing something really good, which is not, they don't burn bridges with guys that pick other schools over Maryland. Uh, we've seen it now. Suleiman Carter, yeah, uh, Jarius Hamilton. Let, let's give Jarius Hamilton some context real quick. Uh, 6'8", power forward from the Charlotte area. Or, not sorry, a power small forward, forward my bad. Number 78, fi- number, sorry, number 75 player coming out of high school. was Maryland was in the conversation for him, ends up Boston College, started 24 games this last season, uh, nine points a game, five rebounds. Not a, not a bad yet. That's just the background on him, if you don't know. Yeah, the guy that the Terps chased after, and, and Jordan really was high on coming out of high school. And, and was quite disappointed when the Terps didn't land him. He was one of those guys that Maryland... I couldn't figure out why he went to Boston College at the time. That was my main thing. Who knows? I mean... I mean, NC State and Maryland was other two picks. Those are pretty high-end basketball programs compared to Boston College. Yeah, but there are schools in the conversation like Arizona and Duke. And, you know, this guy's no no means... By no means was a bad player coming out of high school. He had some big-time programs chasing after him. But that's kind of besides the point. Because... The reality of this situation is Maryland just got a guy, and while they need bodies, they need players uh, right now, this guy can't play next year. Yeah, that is the biggest flaw here. Because if you are replacing him with Ricky Lindo, and you don't get a waiver for him, that's a problem. That's a real problem. Because Jalen Smith's probably going to be gone. We still haven't heard anything from him, which is... uh, getting. I'm starting to lean that he's coming back to Maryland. Yeah, and we've heard that. Mason and I have both heard that a lot in the back channels that he might be coming to Maryland coming back next season and if that's the case then the, well you're a top 15 team again but that's besides the point at the moment if again if the more likely logically speaking thing happens and he does walk then we are really short big men next year yeah and I think that you're going to start facing those problems everyone talked about this year you know you're without Anthony Cowan you, you didn't necessarily get the most reliable play from Wiggins and Ayala. You know, now Ricky Lindo is gone. And he was going to start, in theory. Eh, maybe. Who, who else? Chol? No, they were going to go with 
Aiello, Wiggins, Morsell, Dante Scott, and somebody else. Yes. The center, not Ricky Lindo. But where Jerry Stamilton, if he does play, gets into the equation is, I guess he's a six-man. He might even start, honestly. Over. I could see him. I could see you going small ball and maybe putting Dante or Jarius at the five. Because I don't. Uh, I can't. I see don't know it. who else you put at the five. They they gotta go find a center, or JT's gotta put out something, or Chol's gotta put out something. But I cannot see you, really honestly looking at this thing, saying that Mark Turgeon. I mean, look at Mark Turgeon's best players. You can go back to let's let's just go backwards for a second here. Alex Lenz in that conversation, you know, no, well, Diamond Stone. I'm not saying they're best players, but look at his best teams. Yeah, that, they, they, I mean, Alex Lenz at that point's out of there. But look at how even important, like, Michael Tchaikovsky was to Maryland when they were first rising up in the Big Ten. Yeah, he, he's a very big man dependent on a system, which I think is a flaw personally. But he's, he's, that's what he's good at developing. That is what he's good at developing. That's a fact. So how are you? I I really can't see him playing a team with five guards. Oh, Bruno, guards. gotta throw him in there too. Yeah, I mean, and, and Jalen Smith. So like, I cannot see him putting out. I can see him putting out that team. I cannot see that team winning just because of the lack of the way he plays. He plays traditional basketball, for better or for worse. That's true. Which, uh, yeah, it's a problem. But Jarius Hamilton, we'll get more into him. We'll probably watch some actual film and some highlights of him next few days. Um, we'll get more on him, but. He's a good get on paper, if you had to get on, somebody. Yes, on paper, I, I'm not saying, look, I don't like, if, if they got this guy for Ricky Lindo, I just don't like it. No. That's just, like, not where I am with basketball, even though basketball seems to be there already. Uh, no, I agree. I think that's not the right move, necessarily, if you want to talk about the, quote, right thing. Well, I don't like, I just don't like it. I have a strong belief, and this goes a lot to what Maryland did in football, and it goes a lot to this whole transfer thing. As a coach... As a program builder and as a recruiter, I think there's a certain commitment that needs to be had that isn't had to our guys. You know, if the case was that Ricky Linda decided to leave because Maryland was bringing in Jerry's Hamilton, in my opinion, that just shows a lack of saying, you know what, we've had this guy in our program for two years. He's more valuable than us bringing in a transfer. Well, that was a weakness in your player development system, I think. It, Yeah, I'm saying it just shows wrongs across the board. It's like red X across the board. But, you know, I don't know if that's the case. I'm not really going to accuse my own of that being the case. I wouldn't put it we, past it. We don't it, know enough to say that. Um, I, I just, everyone, I like this guy, though. I think he can play basketball. Yeah, I think he showed improvement from years one to two. But you're talking about another guy that needs to take the next step. And as we all know, our program is quite questionable with that. But we'll let it sit. You know, let time yeah. show what happens here. Uh, again, we're not knocking Dreyas Hamilton. If if there's anything that we have an issue with here, and we're not even saying we have this, it's that we're not sure we don't like the way the, we like the way the business was conducted in this, in this instance. Yeah, yeah, I'll go for that. But you know, we don't really know. Got to leave it up to, to what really happened. And if that ever hap- comes out, which I don't really think it will, because, well, Ricky Lindo's got to move on and find a landing spot, hopefully easier than the Mitchell Twins did. All right, well, on to some other basketball news. The Terps are in the final two with Louisville for Radford guard and 2020 Big Big South Player of the Year, Carla Jones. Um, this is, I know we a lot of people said that Bryce Aiken was the number one player in America. That was before this kid decided he was going to transfer. This is the number one player for grad transfers. This kid was phenomenal Radford last year. Like I said, Big South Player of the Year. Every program that was linked to add the grad transfers was looking for him. 
And uh, Mason, this is, this is a big deal. Yeah, the Terps now involved with Bryce Aiken and, and Jones. Now in the top four of Bryce Aiken, the word is a lean towards Michigan for Bryce Aiken. I'm just going to throw that one out there. Um, but if they get both these guys, I again feel like they are screwing the players that are on the team currently. Yeah, this is like this is like the equivalent of drafting a guard a couple years back and seeing good development and then getting, going out and getting a free agent because you think he can help you win now more. Because, look, there is you have obligations to the players you bring into the program as freshmen. I'm starting to feel like that that's lost on the people that are running this show, but yes. Well, look, and there's nothing to say that this can't work if you get... I don't think you're going to get Aiken. How does it work? I don't think you can get Aiken and Carly Jones. Well, maybe not. I mean, they're both guards, but I, I just don't... I can see them getting both of these guys and just telling, uh, like, Sorrell Smith and, and really, at that point, I guess, Hakeem Hart, too, that it's just over. I mean, I don't like... Grad transfers. I know I said, I've said that about football. I said it about basketball. Uh, but bringing one of these guys in, this isn't what we need. Now, the Big South Player of the Year and Bryce Aiken are both – that's great. We need to go out and find a big man, a forward center, not a guard forward, not Jerry Hamilton, not even really a Ricky Lindo, not, not that kind of player. We need to find – a sizable player that we can rely on because Chol right now is still questionable as far as health concern. And Joshua Tomajic, I I think that he could give you something, but do we really want to go into the season relying on a guy that's played, given us four minutes a game, four to zero minutes a game? No, you don't. And yeah, these guys are great. Carl Jones, great player. Maybe maybe even a starter next year. We don't know. But if he starts, though, who? what spot is he taking? He's the point guard. He's a 6-1 point guard. That's what his position is. So what are you playing then? Are you, you put sticking a, Morcel on the you bench? You put Wiggins or Ayla on the bench. I think that is absolutely screwing over the players that we have that are trying to make it to the NBA. Yeah, I agree with that. That is something that I completely have thought about and completely am behind. And I'm not knocking the players here or really the pro staff are chasing them, but there's implications that we're not thinking about, I feel like. Like, these guys are trying to make a career at basketball, and it's hard to do that when every time – I don't even know how to describe this. It, it feels – maybe just maybe I'll just leave it with Mason said. It feels like we're screwing guys over here because it's a lot harder to make it to the NBA if you're playing on the bench. Even if you're a six-man and playing 29 minutes a game, it's hard to make the NBA. And you don't play for Kentucky or Duke. You have yeah. to throw that one out there. I think that this isn't football. You're not really supposed to recruit over guys in basketball unless you have a program that recruits over guys, which I kind of thought was out the door as far as Mark Church was concerned. I thought we were concerned with developing guys over four years, not bringing in transfers to cut that off because I don't even know what the reason is. What is the reason for bringing these guys in? Why? And here we go. Why do we think someone else's guys are better than ours? What? It's almost like a who's looking at, who is looking at this and saying that. Because if it's your head coach and you can't develop players that are better than guys that are playing at Harvard and Radford, not to knock on those programs, but at the same time to knock on those programs, you are supposed to be able to bring players in that are four high three to five star guys at Maryland. Everyone calls you a recruiter. Go out and recruit your own guys and then bring in one grad transfer or two grad transfers at the positions that you need. But bringing in guards when our two best players for next year are supposed to be guards is not necessarily 
the best thing. Unless they don't think Ayala can play point guard, at that point, you almost have to tell Marcel going into his senior season that he's sitting on the bench because Wiggins can do more. I can't compete with that. Um, and that's... And you... Hold on, one more point. Okay. And you know that Mark Turgeon's not going to put Marcel on the bench. So you put Wiggins on the bench again, and we're back where we started. But why are you putting on a guy that's supposed to be drafted in the top 20 of this year's NBA draft, and somehow we messed that one up? It's like they look at this thing, and they just don't get what they're looking at. If they play Wiggins this year, and he becomes a top 15 draft pick, then and Jalen Smith's a top 15 draft pick, and Anthony Cowan's as good as he was, suddenly you can make a case so we can go out to five stars and say that we can get put you in the NBA and top in the lottery. But the mismanagement of this program or and the way it looks like it's going to, because I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in these two guys or one of them, and Ayala just says, well, I'm a point guard. That's my only chance of playing pro basketball. As a point guard, I'm leaving. I'm going to go play somewhere else where they're going to play me as a point guard, and I'm going to get that tape that's worth something for the NBA. I can't... Because that's really what this is about. I can't really disagree with that. So now let's talk about football, something that's going uh, a lot better on the recruiting trail. A lot more streamlined success that's happening on the recruiting trail. Maybe the, maybe the term is it just looks greener right now. Um, the Terps landed a top 50 player from Quince Orchard High School right down the road from Mason and I. Damian Robinson, the defensive end. Uh, this is a huge deal. I mean, a lot of people knew he was going to Maryland, but still. Top 50 defensive end. Those are hard to find. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people knew that he was going to Maryland. I'll, I'll put that one out there first. Uh, Alabama, LSU, Penn State, the programs are around this guy. And somehow he ends up in Maryland. Uh, not It shouldn't come as too big of a surprise for him, near five-star player. But coming out of Quince Orchard High School, a school that the Terps have won, they won Adam McClain, the last big name to come out of that school, even though it didn't work out too great. Uh, at Maryland for Adam McClain, he still gave the Terps some, some big plays in his junior season. But the Terps pick up another win from a school that they're winning. They're looking at two more guys to add in for this class. Uh, another defensive lineman, last name's Bradley, and then Ryan Barnes, who's a corner. So looking to add three players out of this Quinn Shorter defense to this 2021 class. But Robinson, the first and biggest get that they're going to get out of here. Yeah, um, QO is, of course, the Montgomery County powerhouse and a Maryland public school powerhouse. And it's good that we are still in the in the good area with them. Um, it's always fun for me when I see that we get land commit. Oh, it's also fun and appalling, which I'll get to in a minute, that opposing fans get in their replies and get all, like, whiny about it, which I think is funny for us, but also, if you're a grown man getting in 17-year-old kids' replies, what the heck is wrong with you? And I'm not saying you can't encourage kids to go to your school, that's fine, but, like... What business do you have telling these kids that they're going to fail in their life? They're 17 years old. It, it, it is the single worst fan behavior that I'm aware of. It really just ticks me off extreme amounts. Yeah, I, I'll go for that one. And if I was in this position, which, I mean, every college kid is. I don't know one college kid that's chosen a school that's not Harvard and somebody hasn't told them they made an awful decision. Yeah, that's, that's kind of fair. I know certainly that happened to me. I know that happened to Jordan. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just happens. But generally, those are people that you know. If I know you, then I actually have, I can I can take stock in well, your you advice. Well, you value the opinion. Yeah, I want to hear your opinion. I mean, I don't, <sighs> also, I know that Maryland's not winning games, 
But the Terps have a fair amount of legacy NFL success. It's certainly not going to, and I mean, I'm just throwing names at the fire now. It's not picking Rutgers over those names. It's not picking Central Michigan or Western Kentucky or, you know, you just keep running through these schools. I know that Maryland's not winning games right now, but I think these are also people that don't understand that Maryland's trying to get some of these recruits. Especially in this area, really only in this area, which is what we always thought they only needed to do to be successful. But Maryland's not, they're on a roll. And I think it's absolutely, I'll agree with that, appalling that people like to go after these kids for choosing schools like Maryland and, and the lower Power 5 schools. But those schools are starting to pick up steam in some of these recruiting. I'm seeing Vanderbilt in a lot of the top fives for people. I'm seeing Colorado pick it up. Um, but, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with the behavior, but a huge get for Maryland. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, and there, there's nothing I don't like about this, honestly. It's hard to get do a show about when everything goes right. Um, but a 6-3-220 should, uh, we'll see what happens next season for him at QO and see if he puts on some weight more because, as Mason likes to point out, you need to weigh 250 at least to really compete in the Big Ten in the trenches. But not maybe not particularly as with the scheme that Maryland's running right now. Uh, yeah, you need, they need some interior defensive linemen. You know, defensive ends, pass rushing defensive ends, um, outside linebackers. You know what Maryland has right now? They have like... Yeah, Shaq Smith on the edge. The system that the Terps are running, they got to find something up the middle. Uh, Robinson, a guy that could rumor, he's played in the middle a little bit, but size-wise, he's on the end. They gotta, they gotta bring some beef in, and they did it well with the JUCOs this year. But they gotta start finding some freshmen. Got to start getting some really, really big bodies in there. Yeah, there's somebody else who. Um another defensive lineman who showed interest in Maryland, like in their top five. I can't remember who it is now. Uh, somewhere else from the DMV. But what do you think, Mason? The question everybody's asking, I really don't want to ask this, but I feel like I have to, is does this push Caleb Williams closer to Maryland? Because it's all you want to talk yeah, about Every recruiting days. expert and a resident recruiting expert, Dave Lomonaco, uh, has, it says absolutely no towards that question. Uh, but I, being in the ear of, players and people that have gone through the decision-making process, it always helps when there are people down the road that are near as talented as you, you know, near that five-star, high four-star range, and they chose choose to make this decision. And you see Rock Jarrett makes this decision. You see, you know, it just it gives you more confidence towards making it. Whether you directly know that person or not um, doesn't have that much to do with it, but you got to look at this thing as a as a scope. And the scope is that if, you know, guys like uh, Taz Johnson, and if you Maryland's able to land Marcus Bradley, the other uh, defensive lineman that plays in the middle two th- at QO. 270, that's your guy right there. Yeah, and you start to add size onto this thing, and they start to recruit well. You got to think Caleb Williams looks at it, and the situation suddenly looks good. The outlook looks good. The being part of the Tebow and the founders and, and everything that Maryland talks about, you know, suddenly, if you're not the only one, it's a... Heck of a lot of better situation to look at than if you are. That's what I think the effect is. The other effect is it keeps the fans going. You know, it keeps the people that are tweeting at them going. It keeps the people that are encouraging towards Maryland. They say, look, look, they got this guy. They got this guy. They got this guy. Why not you? Why aren't you next? I think that's the pitch. It's not whether, you know, uh, Damian Robinson is going to pick up the phone and call Caleb Williams and tell him to come to Maryland, which would be great if he did. It's the winning 
breeds winning. They win one guy, they get to the next one. It, when they got Jarrett, it wasn't, we got this guy, we're made. It was, we got this guy, and it's going to spring us into getting other players. Which has been true so far. And that's what it's done. And that's the outlook. That's the positive spin on it. It's not that these guys are picking up the phones and working the phones like they're in NBA GMs at the trade deadline. We're not at that point yet. We're at the point where we've gotten, you know, six top ten guys. We've, we've gotten, you know, two of our big three. And then the surrounding players are filling in. And I think it also helps. I think being part of that Founders, though, is a big appeal. At least it would be to me. Because you are getting the chance now to be part of something. This twenty one twenty sorry, this 2021 class, which a lot of people said this could happen. I didn't believe it until it actually started happening. And well, it, that it could really be the start of something. This class could be the one that really swings the DMV finally into Maryland's favor. And I didn't, again, I didn't believe it. And it might still not be true unless you get Caleb Williams, for real. Okay, maybe it is. There are other situations out there that, that can end well, up very positively going towards Maryland. Well, there's another kid. Um, I forgot his name now. The, the quarterback, Hilo, is also a fairly well thought. Well, he's player. a heavy Maryland lean, though. Yeah, but one I'm, way or the other, Caleb Williams or not, he's a Maryland lean. At I'm, the and I'm just saying, like the appeal of getting in that class and changing the thing, the narrative for your hometown is a powerful one. And I think a lot of these kids, Mason, you said this one time. One time, I don't remember when this was, but we were really talking about Maryland recruiting and the DMV as a whole and what it really means. And one of the, one thing you said that always stuck with me was that coaches and trainers and people around Maryland want Maryland to be a viable option for their kids. But some a lot of the time, they know it's not, and they know they'll have a better career if they go to Ohio State or Alabama or LSU or Michigan or wherever else, which is true a lot of the time. It still might be. But the fact that these kids are going to Maryland makes maybe those people, the people, the coaches, and the trainers that have sway, believe that Maryland could finally be the option for their kids. Yeah, and I think that that's something that's been talked about a lot in the recruiting of Caleb Williams is his camp, as they like to say, because there are so many people generally involved when athletes get this good. They just care about what what situation can put them in the NFL. Maryland, as far as longevity of quarterbacks in the history of this thing, Maryland's not far behind in if you come here as a quarterback and you succeed, you're going to be in the NFL. I mean... If you want to really pull it out, and I know that everybody, every other program for some reason, looks at this and they say the same thing. Well, Boomer, Sison, and, you know, those guys. Neil O'Donnell, Frank, you know, Frank right. Reich, You know, they played Hill. in the 80s. You're telling me that these other schools don't talk about their greatest players from the 80s either? Sure, they have one or two more guys from today, but look at the conversation. Maryland still has Sean Hill. Well, I mean, my favorite thing about this is Ohio State has – one star quarterback in the NFL right now, and Purdue has had like five Hall of Fame I mean, quarterbacks. You can pull out numbers, but it's just—it's not as simple as everyone thinks it is. And I think as far as this thing's going, it's not one way or the other. Everything has an effect on everything. As far as this recruiting thing is called, it is really concerned, and and Maryland's getting there. By the way, Monkel Goodwin—that was the kid who put Maryland in the top five. That's who I was thinking about earlier. Sorry, I just had to get that out from Fort Washington. Um, one f- 14 in the 24-7 composite. Just had to get that out of the way. They, they got to get some more guys, and I think that— And they could. They're, if you look at Maryland's prospect page on 247, there's a, a bunch of top 300 guys from Maryland that are have Maryland contention right now. That's all you ever wanted for this program, really. It's almost like they're in the point where now is their time as far as recruiting is concerned. Not really as far as winning football games is concerned, but as far as recruiting goes, this is Maryland's chance. Yeah, and I think a big step of this, really, is 
just don't lose by 50 points anymore. Just make it semi-competitive. It's a hard sell to recruits, even the ones that have committed already, when their team goes out and loses to Ohio State by 50 points, because they could go to Ohio State. And that's a really hard thing to recruit against. Honestly, it is. Well, that... Yeah. I'll put it at that. But Maryland's Maryland's right there. And they're, I agree. They're in the ring. We're finally in the ring. We have a number nine recruiting class. A couple more guys, we could be number one, honestly. We are so close to really breaking through here. And we kind of started. Robinson, I'm happy we got him. I really am. And I think getting in, getting your claws in the QO is a great thing. They've already been there, though. That's not the school that you have to look That's at what and I was say, say if they win this school. No, they got to start moving towards Gonzaga. That's we, really the one that gotta they're... you got to control the WCAC. That's always been the recipe for success. No. No. That's that's not necessarily all it. They kind of move towards the MIAA. They have got it. They they win enough in the WCAC. They don't get the top players. They get the next tier, and they get some of the top players now because this is different. They they win generally the public school realm. They have got to move towards Gonzaga. They got to get something going in Northern Virginia, and they've got to get something going in Baltimore. I was gonna say Baltimore is still well. Aaron Willis, the outside linebacker from St. Francis, has Maryland in the conversation. It's not even St. Francis, so it's Gilman, it's Calvert Hall. It's getting those guys that are actually from Maryland, not necessarily the guys that come here and just play football. But th- that's where we'll leave that conversation for now. And as always, we'd like to thank all of you for sticking with us through this tough time and uh, keep clicking the play button. Uh, and really, you know, let's try and rack up some conversation here on Twitter and stuff. I know everyone has time on their hands right now, and now's the perfect time to uh, talk some Terps recruiting and really – really see where everyone stands with this because I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what the larger community is thinking right now because this is definitely going better than it has in the past yeah and i'm also still surprised to say that again we were stuck full of stuff to talk about again yeah and uh maybe one day we'll actually hit that offseason list maybe maybe but things keep rolling the news keeps rolling in i would love a quiet period honestly it might be nice and as always we'd like to thank our sponsors of the show viner forgates and rockville if you need to set up your business to be able to go remote and work from home. Viner Forgates is the perfect company based right here in Rockville, Maryland. To do that with, you can always reach them on the phone at 301-251-2900. That's 301-251-2900. Or on the web at the number one, Viner.com. And Allied Party Rentals, for all of your post-coronavirus party needs, Allied is your place to go. You can visit them on the web at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And as always, thanks for listening.